So I chose to focus, come back to this parami quality of kindness, of metta. Because as you know, I think most of you, these ten qualities of the parami are really beautiful qualities of the heart and mind that we can strengthen in daily life and that actually need the rough and tumble of daily life, the challenges of daily life, to be polished. So I think of the parami as qualities that we all already have, but that we can polish and strengthen by bringing awareness to them. And I chose to focus on metta tonight, partly because of what's going on in the world right now, and seems to be in many areas pretty massive failure of this capacity to find kindness, goodwill, universal friendliness. So I thought to look tonight at the conditions that support metta to be present, and also at some of the conditions that tend to get in the way. So in the guided meditation I did just then, I mentioned how being at ease, being rested, makes it easier to feel kind kindness. So I don't know about for any of you, but when I'm feeling busy, stressed, too much on, too much to do, kindness is one of the first things that goes out the window. I just don't have time to stop and listen to my neighbor's problems. I don't have time to help that little kid put his scooter away. I don't have time to call my mother again today. So I don't think it's any coincidence that in the list of these 10 qualities... There are several other qualities that come before kindness that support it. So generosity, energy, patience, resolve. Before we get to kindness, we need those supports. And just coming back to the metaphor that I offered last week, where I was thinking of this, how generally speaking our society is getting more and more and more frantically busy and we've lost the capacity to appreciate the fallow. So I was talking about how in agriculture there used to be this practice of letting fields go fallow after, after the harvest so that they could replenish, rejuvenate, renew, refresh. But we don't do that anymore because that will be seen as a waste of space, a waste of time. It's not productive. We've got to be producing stuff all the time. And I thought of meditation and going on retreat as being a practice of following, refreshing, renewing, re-energizing, so that when we come out, we can be more productive. We can harvest things like kindness. So following is a kind of kindness to ourselves. And it's one way that we can help kindness to be more available for others too. Because when we're rested, we're less likely to just collapse into our own wants, needs, our own agendas. We're more likely to have more space for others. So to put this into Buddhist terminology, that energetic contraction, and to me it always does feel like a contraction, into I, to me, to my, to mine, That's known as clinging to self-view. Clinging to my needs, my wants, my agenda, and so on. 
this tendency to create a fixed, solid sense of self who's at the center of the universe. And because this isn't actually in alignment with reality, it becomes a source of suffering. And consciously or unconsciously, we put a lot of energy into trying to shore up and protect and defend and maintain this sense of me in here and the world out there that's often in opposition to it. And again, that sense of separation tends to get in the way of kindness. And there's one particular aspect of this clinging to self-view that I'd like to focus on now. Because hopefully it will give you a very immediate, direct sense of the implications of all of this. It's a particular form of clinging that tends to powerfully reinforce suffering. And that's the clinging to being right. Anybody have no idea what I'm talking about? (laughs) It's pretty universal, that kind of clinging. And I still remember many years ago now, in one of the first Dharma books I ever read, there was one particular sentence that jumped off the page. It said, it's better to be kind than to be right. And I was like, what? (laughs) Honestly, it felt like I was being hit over the head. Because I didn't realize how unconsciously I'd assumed that being right was everything. And I also hadn't realized how much I feared being wrong. I don't think I'm alone in that. And often what fuels the stickiness of that clinging is a pretty primal fear of being wrong on one hand. And on the other, the compulsion to be right to be superior, not to be inferior. The craving to be, to belong, to be accepted, to feel safe, and so on. And in some ways, these are unconscious and maybe maladaptive survival strategies. It's on some level normal to want to be associated with the successful and the popular members of our tribe, so to speak. And we don't want to be ostracized from the tribe. Because in the old days, that could have meant death. So we want to respect the power of these views, not to judge or condemn any tendency to cling, but at the same time, not to solidify that clinging any further. So we need metta, kindness, plus often big helpings of patience and of equanimity to help to soften the underlying anxiety the fear, the craving for approval, it's often underneath the clinging to views. And by bringing in all these paramis, particularly kindness, patience, and equanimity, those three together can give us the resilience to tolerate being wrong, even to practice being wrong. And actually, it is a practice It's a training we can undertake, and it's one that's been really powerful in my own practice, to practice being wrong. If we do it with the right spirit, if we do it with kindness, compassion, and wisdom, it can be surprisingly freeing. So the practice of being wrong basically involves bringing to mind a situation where you were in conflict conflict with someone where you really felt that you were right in some way, 
And again, maybe some of you here, that's not part of your experience, I don't know. Maybe you should be up here next week, because for me that's been, um, as I said, part of my history and development. So you practice remembering one of those times, and then see if you can take on the perspective of the other person. And see if you can find even the slightest grain of truth in their views, their opinions. Now, this doesn't mean just abandoning totally your own sense of what's true and just fully taking on whatever anybody else tells you. But it's more of an imaginative exploration just to help see where and how we might be getting identified with and attached to being right. And as we can maybe soften that a little, we see what gets freed up energetically when the grip of some of that clinging is released. So I thought if you're up for it, we might give that practice a try. And it's optional, so if you don't feel like it's for you, you can just continue with your silent mindfulness of breathing. But if you are willing to experiment with it, it'll be a kind of a slightly guided meditation Dharma talk uh, hybrid. I invite you to come into a meditative posture again, just a little more upright. And set the intention to begin with, to find the willingness, may I allow myself to explore being wrong. May I allow myself to explore being wrong. And even right there, you might notice a little tweak of resistance. Maybe in the body, a sort of an energetic pulling back or stiffening or tightening. Or maybe it's more in the mind, a little irritation or maybe anxiety. If that's true for you, just see if you can make some space for those reactions. Just noticing them with kindness. Being curious. Taking a few deeper, fuller breaths. Just finding some steadiness. And then just bringing to mind a time from the recent past when you perhaps got involved in some kind of conflict or argument or debate. One that was fueled by wanting to be right in some way. It's probably better not to choose the most intense conflict you've ever had. So preferably find a medium-level example of some conflict where you wanted to be right.
Just bringing that situation to mind, who you are with, where you were, what was said and done. And as you reconnect with that experience now, you might find again that underlying energy of just the urge to be right. Staying out of the story of it for a moment, not getting caught in justification or self-righteousness, but just feeling the energy in the body as you connect with that desire, that clinging to being right. Maybe you can notice a stiffening or a bracing or perhaps a shrinking or a puffing up. Just energetically, what's it like to feel that urge to be right in the body? And then tuning into any emotions or feelings that might be present associated with this urge of wanting to be right. Perhaps irritation or anxiety or frustration or judgment or self-judgment, blame, disconnection, maybe shame. Just seeing if you can make space for whatever is present now. Meeting it with kind curiosity. And then bringing your awareness to the other person who was involved in the conflict. And just as an imaginative exercise, putting yourself in their shoes for a moment or two. Just playing with it and seeing if you can experience that situation from their perspective. looking at yourself, listening to yourself from their point of view.
Maybe even taking on their sense of what was right. As you explore this, you might notice again some reactions in your own being. Just doing your best to stay steady and make space. As you practice being wrong, in quotation marks. What's it like to take in the other person's perspective? Is it possible to find even a slight grain of truth in their point of view? And if you are able to do this to some extent, noticing the effect on your own being now. If there might be a little more space or softness Possibly a trace more warmth or kindness. If it doesn't feel possible to open to the other person's perspective, then just offer that warmth and kindness to you yourself. It's okay. Not forcing or pushing. Just being curious, what's it like to practice being wrong? To take in another person's viewpoint. To release a little of that clinging to self-view. And seeing if it might open just a trace more kindness, warmth, and care. And then letting that exploration go, just sitting for a moment, taking one or two deeper, fuller breaths. Finding steadiness, finding ease. Coming back to here, 
And now, and when you're ready, just gently opening your eyes. Thank you for your willingness to experiment with the practice of being wrong. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.